welcome back. You are listening to the Bookshop Chronicles. My name is Brandy. In this podcast, we are talking about books, the business side of running an indie bookstore in Edmonton, and just all things related to our bookish community. So today we are going to talk with a local author, which will be awesome. But first, I want to get to a little bit of bookish convo. Now, a number of you have commented to me either in the store or you've sent me messages that in previous episodes, I have referred to our book habits and the rules that we have around our reading life and all the ways that that has affected us. And so many of you have said thank you for releasing them from the guilt of their TBRs and the rules around what they should read and what they should finish and all those shoulds because you know how I hate the shoulds. Well, let me just reiterate. Your reading life is personal. What happens between you and that book is entirely up to you. How long it takes you to read it? Who the heck cares? Which book you get to in which order? Who the heck cares? It doesn't matter. This is not a contest. So you do not have to compete with anybody. You do not have to even adhere to the list you have written about what you will and won't do. I know, I'm scandalous. But what I'm saying is, there are rules all over the place about things you should and shouldn't do. Your reading life is a free space. No guilt, no shoulds, and no expectations that make you feel bad about what you did and didn't do. Come on, who cares if you had a guilty pleasure and you read a book that was fluffy? Who cares? That does not mean you're fluffy. It just means you can't feast on the heavy stuff all the time. Who cares if you DNF'd, which means did not finish, a book? That does not mean you're a quitter. That just means that book has told you, this is not for you. You might as well let me go. So do it. Do do yourself and do that book a favor. Here's, Here's my thinking. It's like dating, right? If you are on a date and that person has clearly demonstrated that this is going nowhere, would you keep dating them? I hope not. But in a book, somehow we have this idea that if you started that relationship with that story, you need to keep going even though it might not be for you. Why not break up with that book? Break up with the book, friends. Break up, you will not be sorry. This has no basis on your character. This has no, um, indi- this is not an indication of what kind of person you are if you quit books. You are breaking up with something that is not working for you. We get this in life, but somehow we do not attribute that to our reading life. So I am releasing you from all that guilt, all the nonsense, all the shoulds, all the, <laughs> all of the responsibility you have felt to continue something that was not working for you and to be kind of miserable. If you're adding things to your reading life that are taking away from the pleasure, oh my gosh, you guys, break up with that stuff. Be done. Life is too short. Your reading life is so precious and your time with that story is so valuable. If the book is not good to you, let it go. That's it. Let it go. You want to sing a Frozen song here? Let it go. Let the book go, people. Just let it go. 
I want you to say that to yourself if you're thinking, should I keep reading this? I don't know. I'm really kind of hating this story, but oh, I really feel like I should because I said I would. Let it go. Say it with me, friends. Let it go. I know this is something that we often struggle with. And people have come into the store, and it is kind of entertaining to me how they feel they need to confess to me how many books they have purchased and not finished, or how many books are on their TBR they haven't read yet. Oh, you guys, you guys. Okay, some of you, you know me by now. Some of you, this is your first time. So let me just tell you. Brandy says it doesn't matter. Brandy says, who the heck cares? Guys, let it go. Rules are for things like speeding limits and criminal offenses. They are not for reading. Can we just take this a little less seriously, please? It's supposed to be fun, right? Let's invite the fun back in. The shoulds, leave them over there. We don't want them. Let it go. That's it. That's all I want to say about that. So many of you have commented that the messages I made before about releasing you from all of those expectations and the worries about your reading life really made a difference to you and you're so glad I said it. So for anybody who has not heard those episodes, go back, listen to the episodes. I am a little bit repetitive and you know I am very much about what is good and valuable for your reading time. That is very, very important to me. And if you need somebody to say to you, let it go, then I'm just the one to do it. Because, you know, I, it's, it matters to me. You matter to me. What happens between you and that book matters to me. So, ah, there we go. Do you feel better? Oh, I feel like I just want to, like, shake it off. I totally want to shake that off and just let it go. All right, enough of all that. So, today... We are having a conversation with a local author named Scott Messenger. Scott wrote a book called Tapping the West. It is a celebration of the craft beer industry in Alberta. And for me, I'm not a beer drinker. This book is super fun. I love the individual stories. I love his take on it. Uh, as Scott himself says, it's bigger than beer. So just like a bookstore is not about the books, Scott has discovered that craft beer and the industry is not about the beer itself as it is about the community and the agriculture behind the industry. It is very cool. He's got a really fresh take on this. So without waiting any longer, here's my conversation with Scott. So Scott, I'm very excited that you are going to be talking with me about this because your book in our store has been a huge, huge hit. Wow. I am very excited to be talking about this as well. Thanks so much for, for this and for everything you've done for the book so far. Oh, it's been my pleasure, honestly. So can you tell um, our audience a little bit about you and what you do? Okay. Um, well, uh, I'm a writer. Uh, I um, My day job, um, I work full-time in communications in post-secondary education. Uh, but when I am not doing that um, and not uh, juggling the responsibilities of a, of a family life, uh, I write. I write uh, uh, whenever I get the chance. And um, you know, I was I, I started off writing as a as a freelance writer uh, more than a decade ago. Uh, went through various jobs as uh, as an editor, but I've always uh, I've always stayed with writing uh, as much as I could. Um, and that's uh, that's kind of what brought me to the book ultimately, I guess. 
That's awesome. And tell us a little bit about your book because our our crew in the store has loved it. Oh. And for people listening, they might not be aware of what it is. So can you fill them in? Sure. Uh, Tapping the West is the book. Uh, it's uh, it's coming up on a year old. In May, it'll be a year old. Um, the book is about um, how the Alberta craft beer boom happened. Uh, I call it a boom uh, because what happened was uh, in a span of about well, I guess we're, we're on seven or eight years now. Uh, we went from about uh, a dozen breweries to uh, a tenfold increase. You know, we've got between 120 and 130 now. So uh, when I was starting to become familiar with, uh, with craft beer, um, which was around, I would say, 2016, when I started to, to get interested, um, I just wondered how it happened. Uh, uh, one of my editing jobs in the past was for a business magazine here in Edmonton, which was called um, Alberta Venture. And so it did leave me with a little bit of a, um, uh, not a business mind, but an interest in business and an interest in entrepreneurship and a little bit about how, how economies work and stuff like that. Uh, not that I'm an expert in any of those things. Um, but, you know, uh, I just became fascinated with this idea that this business, or pardon me, this industry, uh, craft beer in Alberta, came about relatively quickly. And I thought that would be an interesting story to, to try to capture. Uh, just from the perspective of how they do it, uh, even from the perspective of uh, is this a model that uh, could actually serve other businesses uh, as the province seeks to uh, diversify. It's, it's so fascinating. Now, I myself am not a beer drinker, mm. but the community around it and the the fascination that people who really, really love and support craft beer have for it, their conversation, their community, their culture around it, I find very, very interesting. It's, yeah, it's intense sometimes. <laughs> I, it sounds like it. I, I've been reading in your book and I'm, there's so much I did not know, right? You don't know what you don't know until it's presented to you. And your book reads kind of like, I think somebody commented, it's like a pub crawl. Hmm through all the different craft breweries and their process and the different individuals who have their own take on things and then just spread themselves out and say, I'm going to try this. And there mm. is an industry that lets them do that. Yeah. Um, I love that. I love that somebody looked at the book and thought about it that way because it's, uh, you know, even that's a very, very experiential thing. The idea of a pub crawl, uh, you know, it, it implies, you know, being actually get in into a place, being able to, to experience what it has to offer, but also having a chance to, uh, uh, connect with the people um, who make those experiences possible. Um, and that's certainly something that, uh, that I was going for in the book. So I, I really like that, uh, that somebody felt that that was what they were getting from it. Well, now, after doing all that research, what beers do you prefer? Or are you allowed to have favorites? Is it like having a favorite child? I don't know. <laughs> do you have a favorite beer from all the spots that you visited? Um I don't think that there's any such thing as a favorite trial in craft beer. And it's funny because, um, you know, the, the, the industry is notorious for a lack of brand loyalty, um, you know, among, um, among its enthusiasts, because there's just so much new stuff all the time. Like the industry is, is, um, is defined by innovation. And so everybody is constantly coming out with new beers. Uh, and so there's almost this, this sense of brinkmanship <laughs> among the, the different breweries to come out with something new craft beer drinkers are, are very excited about that and and tend to just you know they'll, they'll go to a different brewery because even if they have a favorite they'll go to a different brewery and, and try out this other one um to uh to just experience that 
that new beer. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Like there's certainly breweries that have a special place in my heart um, because of, to be totally honest, you know, because of what they did for the book. Uh, and, and when I say what they did, I mean the time that they gave me, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the fact that they told me their stories, that they trusted me with their stories. Um, and then there are other breweries, uh, you know, where it's just like they weren't in the book, but they have amazing beer, consistently amazing beer. And uh, there's there's the old standards, you know, the the breweries that have been around for for decades that still are producing great core beers, as well as you know, sort of uh, seasonals and, and one-offs, you know, those special kind of beers that aren't on the on the uh, regular rotation. But there's just you know, I'm rambling and rambling. I'm getting really excited about the uh, <laughs> just the fact that there's just so much variety um, all the time, and it's sort of funny. Um, uh, something that people always ask me about, and they always make the mistake um is to say oh well you you drank a, a different beer every day uh you know as part of the your research for this book well no um because i only have one liver for one thing uh <laughs> and you know and uh you know that's that wasn't really the, the point of it all it wasn't an exercise in in um uh excess i guess it was an exercise in in exploration so what would you want people to know the most about this book you know, I think I think for somebody who hasn't read the book and who isn't maybe even for somebody who isn't uh, like yourself, you know, quite as tuned into to craft beer is just what was uh, what were the surprises, you know, even for, for me, like, you know, it's not as if I was an expert going into the writing of this book. And I, I treated the book as, as as I mentioned, there, just sort of a exploration and, and discovery. And, you know, th- there were a lot of surprises uh, going through um the research and 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 you know one of the things that came out as really kind of the beating heart of the book was uh, you know the agricultural side of it and and how how very much um, uh, the roots of this industry are right here in the soil of Alberta right like you're talking about the the barley that the industry uses like that stuff has grown right here you know central Alberta and you know we we grow more of it than than anybody else in Canada. And more than the entire United States, you know, this is this is wow. this is the home of of great barley, and it's renowned for being good barley. Um, you know, and it's it was great to be able to start to see that connection, where you could actually take this industry and you could take a tap room and the brewers and connect them somehow back to the land, like right back to the soil, and that really was impressive to me because then all of a sudden it occurred to me it's just like in a way this is another resource in alberta and you know if i were thought talking about barley and all these little breweries are kind of like little refineries uh you know to talk in the parlance of of oil and gas here in the province and you know and i think i like that you know i like the idea of of uh of adding value to something that we make right here in alberta something that we're intensely proud of and in taking that that one neck one step further and allowing somebody else to be proud of that product in a different way and you get this big community that grows up around that like it's i use this phrase a lot um you know and it's it's not original in any means but it's bigger than beer you know the 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 craft beer industry is is bigger than beer because it's about community and it's about uh you know very much the the um you know, the roots of the economy in this province in, in some ways, you know, it's not that, you know, it's not, it's not going to save Alberta craft beer, don't get me wrong, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a way forward uh, to look at the way that this industry has arisen and operates now. Yeah, I think, I think you nailed it with the, um, with the community aspect of it. And I think too, that what creates something that is popular amongst so many 
diverse, creative, innovative people, whether they're at the business end or the actual appreciation of the product, they're a very fascinating group. I, I don't drink the beer. I love the beer people. And I think I think what your book has done so well is bring all those things together. And um, yeah, it's it's a treat. It makes me want to invest more time into knowing about the industry, not necessarily drinking all the beer, but I'm more curious now about the backbone of the craft beer industry right here where I live, because so many people that I love, love craft beer. Yeah, yeah. And I like that you, you know, you touched on the, the, the people behind it as well, because, you know, for me, like that was the way into the story, right? Like, you know, you can, you can write about the economics of something or attempt to, um, you know, but really what it comes down to, like, we, I think we all open books interested in learning more about people. Like we, we, we want to learn more about topics and, and subjects that interest us, but, you know, people are, are the reason those topics generally exist in the most cases. Right. And, and, you know, they're, they're the things I think that draw us into books as readers, uh, you know, look at fiction, right. Fiction's all about people. Fiction's all about relationships and that kind of thing. Why not apply that to a book about craft beer? Um, you know, and I'm not yeah. saying it's, you know, a, a virtuosic kind of uh, book, uh, you know, in that sense, uh, all I mean to say is it was just, it was the right way to approach this topic because again, you know, you, like, as you say, you want to know more about the, the backbone of, of this business and, and that backbone is people and, and community. They're the ones who have the stories. They're the ones who have uh, um, put the effort into making the industry uh, possible, into making it grow. Their motivations are fascinating. You know, mm-hmm. they all come to it with, they, they all come to it with a similar passion, but they come to it uh, by different paths. And to be able to look at those different paths was uh, was you know, really quite a privilege, I think, and try to try to capture that. And it really was, it was only a small subsection of, of the industry that I kind of dipped into to, to tell that story. Because like I said, you know, it's 130 breweries. A lot of them have come up since, you know, this book has been out. Um, you know, so uh, it, it was a matter of, of trying to get at that story through people who, at the time, um, seemed like they would be best uh, positioned to tell it. I'm sure there's all kinds of people I didn't get to talk to, all kinds of people I wish I had, you know, to help support this story. But uh, I guess we leave that for for writers who come after me for for uh, you know in terms of writing this story as well. Well, if if you waited until you got to talk to everybody or until everybody got you know represented, you'd probably never get to write it because, as you said, they're coming up all the time. Yeah, you, you're right. You wouldn't, and uh, you'd have a book that was like the size of a dictionary. And and I don't think anybody <laughs> wants to read about craft beer in that way, right? Like it still has to be an accessible story. It's beer. It's fun. Uh, it doesn't yeah. have to be completely comprehensive. And and you know we have the Alberta Craft Beer Guide, and and they're always up on making sure that everybody knows who's out there and and uh, what's available. And that sort of thing and and that's uh, that's a great service leave it to them uh and tell the story in a different way so well and scott how did you balance the writing and the research part with family life and having a day job one thing that i found with parenthood um you know in addition to all of its other rewards uh is that it really has taught me to manage my time well um i always you know, I, I joke about this about how I've, i wasted so much time when i was younger oh my god um, and then now uh, with with having fewer hours available for me every day, uh, they become very precious. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I think more about how I use um, my time. I think I'm also very goal driven, too. And, and so that kind of helps uh, to structure 
time and to employ it uh, in ways that maybe I feel are more productive and ways that I can be satisfied with. The short answer is, is that I, um, I give you the long answer first all the time. Yeah, it's annoying. But the <laughs> short answer, funny. the short answer is just like, it was a lot of early mornings. Like, you know, and I think like tons of writers tell you that, eh? like, so how did you do this? I was like, well, I got up at four o'clock in the morning every day. I didn't, you know, you'd get up at five o'clock or something and, you know, pound out for a, an hour or something, you know, go after the kids are bed and in bed and, go sit at McDonald's and drink decaf coffee and, you know, write some more and that kind of stuff. Um, I should have said independent coffee shop, shouldn't I? Oh, I should, you can edit that out later. <laughs> We're not giving you any, uh, any fines here. It's okay. <laughs> but, you know, it, it was. It was just about taking those found hours and, and making the most of them. And uh, it was amazing. It's amazing what you can do, uh, what I found I could do, I guess, with with the spare hours in every day. And, and uh, you know, the book is not long. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a relatively quick read. Um, yeah, but that isn't, doesn't mean to say it was, it didn't take any time to put together, but, um, yeah, I, I, I would like to be able to continue using my time that way. I've kind of fallen off the wagon a little bit. <laughs> well, and now what I get asked about a lot, especially at the local author area of the store is how people go from having an idea and then writing it down and then finding a publisher and getting their book on a shelf. So what was that whole process like from writing it to having it on the shelf? What was, what was your experience like? I think it goes, it goes back. I will do the short version of this, but it does go back to a blog that I wrote. That was in, that was in 2016, 2016, 2017. I wanted to try blogging um, because I'm like old. And I thought that would be interesting to, to, for me to attempt to blog and try to understand that. So I have a friend and her name is uh, Linda Huang. Um, she's a, um, a social media type person here around Edmonton, and, and she helped me get set up with uh, with my blog and stuff. I were actually a lot of credit um, for just getting things going that way. So I spent the year uh, blogging and just getting a feel for for the industry. It was just it was called One Year of Alberta Beer, and the point was just to try to learn what's going out there, who's out there, what are people doing, what what's all this craft beer I hear about, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, and then after that, when that project was done, you know, it gave me enough of a sense to realize it's, there's a bigger story here. Um, what is it? And so uh, then I got to formulate that, to shape it, to crystallize that idea. Some of that was just bouncing it around in my head for probably a year. And then after that, it was uh, getting serious and looking around to see who might even publish uh, a book like this. My discovery was that there are not many people out there who would have published a book like this. The good thing was I did find Touchwood Editions, uh, who's uh, out in Victoria, and uh, it was as simple as looking at their website and seeing what their guidelines were for putting a submission together. So people think there's a lot of mystery in this. There's not. It's all right there on their websites. And so I just looked at that, uh, followed it to a T, <laughs> sent it to them. I had a few friends look over my proposal, other writer friends, and uh, and then sent it in. And uh, much to my um, luck uh, and pleasure, I guess, uh, they got back to me. Within a few minutes, uh, to be honest, um, yeah, and and said we've been waiting for uh, this um, this kind of proposal to come through, and they had been talking to actually other writers here in town about just putting together a guide, um, but and I didn't suggest a guide; I suggested the book that that uh, we have now, and they said we we prefer this idea uh, anyway as opposed to to the guides. So um, we're gonna. You know, that was just the submissions editor who got back to me. She said. Let's put this in front of the publisher and we'll get back to you shortly. So I was shocked, um, of course, that that had happened so quickly. Uh, within about a couple of months, we had a contract and we were ready to roll. So it was really wow. just, uh, you know, so much of it is luck. Like, it's just like, you know, I, I, I had this passion for this thing that was actually 
a thing that was happening right now. It was really kind of booming. Uh, there was a lot of people writing about it and telling stories about it, um, but nobody was telling the story in in book form, uh, and nobody was telling the type of story exactly that I that I wanted to tell. So, uh, you know, there, there's a bit of luck there for sure. Wow. Good for you, though, for having the idea and testing it on the blog first, right, to sort of get a feel for it and develop the discipline, too, for the regular writing. And then, you know, find your connections, persevere. But you're right, timing is a big deal. And it was probably just really good book serendipity that you had the right idea that the publisher was looking to promote Absolutely. at the right time. Yeah. I mean, well done. I, yeah. You know, yeah. Lucky me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, you still have to put a lot of, it was still a lot of work. You know, I, I don't want to give anybody the impression that oh, yeah. this is, you'll, you'll, no problem. You can do it, but everybody can do it. You know, well, yeah, I'm going to say that if, if you have the right idea and the time is right for it and you're willing to put the work into it, you can do it. It's just, um, yeah, it was a ton of work uh, because my original proposal, I was just like, I don't really need to write any sample chapters. I, I, that'll be fine. And then I put the proposal in there just like, do you, could you do some sample chapters? Come on. Uh, <laughs> so, so, and, and I did. And that's when I had to go to, to certain breweries and, and basically say, listen, I've got this idea going. Do you mind giving me like two hours of your time to do an interview? I don't know if this is going to go anywhere. What do you say? And they're just like, yeah, come on down. Uh, and you know, that's, that's great to have that kind of support, uh, going into it that way. Right. And then it's just a matter of sitting your butt down and, and getting the, getting these chapters pounded out. Those chapters mm -hmm. are in the book, uh, you know, they're, they're in different forms or whatever, but, uh, uh, you know, they had to be done. Well, it's, it's great. And it's super popular. Um, one of the things that whenever uh, a book is on the shelf in the local author section, especially, I tell people, when you, if you like it, go to Goodreads, do something, tell people about it mm -hmm. so that people can know that it's great. So we can get more people supporting local authors. Now, have you gone on to Goodreads to see what people are saying about your book? A little bit. Yeah. I, uh, I'm pretty bad. I don't, uh, generally go and, and look at reviews or, uh, my publisher sends me all these things. Uh, look, somebody did this or whatever. And they kind of vet things for me. I, I guess I'm kind of lying. I do look at reviews. I try not to spend a lot of time focusing on that kind of stuff. Um, Goodreads has been, I think, pretty good. Uh, I haven't looked at it recently. Uh, there's been a couple of, uh, decent comments and I, I think the the reviews overall are, are, are positive. You know, there's always yeah. somebody who has, uh, has some comments, but, but I think there should be those comments. I think there should be some, uh, criticism, hopefully constructive, uh, about, about any book. You know, this is my first book. Uh, I hope it's not my last book. And, uh, it was, a it was a learning experience, right. To be able to, um, to learn how to write a book, like learning or, you know, writing a magazine article is, is one thing, which is what I, what I've done in the past, but, uh, to go from that form to book length uh, is a leap, uh, and it was a leap that I had a lot of people helping me to make. So if I can get some uh, some comments from people to uh, give me ideas about you know stuff that I can use going forward to in another book, hopefully, then you know I would like to think the next one is stronger. Well, the feedback is very good, and right you should feel very proud because you have a four point five four star rating on Goodreads, which Ooh. apparently is fantastic. Oh, so wow. good okay. for you. Well, yeah, I guess that must be. I don't know how many times my mom reviewed the book. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mom. <laughs> but no, seriously, I you know I, I'm overjoyed to hear that kind of thing, and, and I'm super grateful because people have been have been supportive on the whole, and uh, yeah, like. That's what, what more can you ask for, right? Oh, it's true. Now, I heard a quote once that said, not all readers write, but all writers read. 
So how would you describe your reading life? Sporadic. Uh, sadly, it's, uh, I do most of my reading before bed. Um, you know, there's, there's not a lot of other time um, to do that. It's a comfort thing very much for me. Uh, uh, you know, it's just being able to finish the day uh, with a book, get out of my head, get in somebody else's, I guess, uh, you know, as long as it's not too messy in there and, uh, and just kind of, you know, take solace in that. Um, it's nice. It's a, it's a, a good way to, to end the day. I'd love to read more, like, you know, just to be able to sit down over the course of the day and, 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 uh, spend an hour reading would be, would be lovely. And I know, I know that time will come back, but, uh, in the meantime, that's it. One thing I do try uh, to do is I'm quite pragmatic. Um, maybe irritatingly so, like I'll switch between, it's almost a cycle, fiction, nonfiction, and then get through that stack of magazines that I've got sitting by the, <laughs> the bedside. So I kind of cycle through that way. And, and I think it's important for me to make sure that I'm reading a lot of different styles uh, of writing, uh, just to make sure that, because it, you know, it all influences your writing, right? Like it's, you know, it's writing very much an osmotic kind of, of process, mm -hmm. just like reading is, I think, you know, you, you're influenced by all this stuff. Um, and I think the more naturally, the more influences that you can bring in, the, the more varied your own writing will be and, and the more your own it will become, I think, as you sort of digest those different influences. So I, I just try to maintain that variety as well. Can you think of any other authors that have influenced you to become a writer? Yeah, I should be always more prepared for these kinds of things, uh, these <laughs> questions, because you think about like, I guess... Like I said, I've started been like I've been writing professionally for like ten to fifteen years, and then before that, it's you know you're in that aspiring stage, and I'm I'm still aspiring to be a certain kind of writer. I think I'd like to think most writers are. Then I wouldn't feel so bad about doing it. Like a lot of my writers, a lot of the writers that I really um, appreciate are, are friends of mine. I'm I'm happy to say, you know, like a guy like Curtis Gillespie who who um, uh, edited uh, Tapping the West, and he's a good friend of mine, uh, and he's been a mentor for for years. And I've always admired his writing because of its ability to. Uh, he's he's mostly a nonfiction writer, but he's also a novelist and short story writer. But he just has this ability to just tell a darn good story, you know. Um, being able to uh, uh, weave together narrative and facts and and all that kind of thing, and I I've, I always love that. I like uh, another book that was really important to me was. Uh, John Valiant's uh, Golden Spruce, uh, which was a, a beautiful story about uh, uh, the cutting down of a of basically kind of a sacred tree on the on the West Coast, um, and the way that he it was just spellbinding. Like he had you from the beginning to the end, and all he was talking about was a tree. Uh, this whole huh. book, uh, it was it was shocking, you know. And I think that you know another book that really influenced me um, was. Uh, W.G. Sebald's uh, Rings of Saturn. And, uh, you know, that's a very, it's a nonfiction, but it's a nonlinear narrative and being able to think about, um, just open your mind to the fact that uh, books don't start from, you know, point A to point B. You know, they sort of jump around a lot and they may not actually tell sort of a, a contiguous story. Um, you know, it's, there's, there's just different ways to approach storytelling. And I, and I suppose when, when you come across a, uh, a writer who opens your eyes to that, it's just such a uh, marvelous awakening. Um, and, and it still happens, you know, it doesn't happen as frequently as it used to, but it's still, because I read so much less, um, but it still does, uh, does happen. And it's, uh, it's a great moment when it does. 
Yeah. I think books are an incredible way of giving you somebody else's perspective and showing you the world in a way that you had, you thought you knew, but a little bit of a difference changes things. And you're able to approach something with a way of saying, huh, you know what? I thought I knew. Now I didn't, I'm aware I didn't know. And I think that humility when you read a book is very satisfying because you can't be arrogant when you approach a book and say, oh, I know this. You don't because that author has a brand new vision and the way they tell it is probably not the way you would tell it. So whenever you sit in front of another writer and you read what they have created, there's something, as you said, that's very comforting about that, but it's also incredibly um, eye-opening and we need that. We do need that. Yeah. Yeah. You hit it there with that, with the word humility. Like I think, you know, to be able to go into any, any book, uh, any story with that kind of open-mindedness to say, I don't know, um, to open a book and say, I don't know, uh, and to hope that that's rectified in some way. Um, you know, and I, I would love to think that reading, um, and reading in that way teaches us about life, uh, and going into various other aspects of life and saying, I don't know, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. can you open my, my eyes? Can you open my mind to a different perspective? You know, and, and that's the, that's one of the wonders of fiction, right? Is to be able to be immersed in the perspective of a character, right? And to see some world through somebody else's eyes, like that's just magic, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And and I do think that when, you know, I think we come away enriched from that, that experience as much as we, we might come away uh, uh, informed and enlightened. Uh, and you're right, you can't do it uh, if you don't go into it with some sense of humility. You really got that. Well, one of the things that I like to tell people about your book is the way I appreciate it is the way every, because you, you tacked on this earlier, is that every craft beer is run by a different person. They do their own thing in their own way for their own reasons. And independent bookstores are the same way. Books books are like beer. It's, it's just, it's one thing. But the people who create space around it and do things their own way around it make indie bookstores so unique and so different and so fun to discover. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the sense I got from, from your book was that as much as like we're talking about the beautiful humility and comfort of books, people have a feeling about beer and the space around it and the community that happens when they drink it, when they share it, when they talk about it, when they learn about new ones, whether it's tastings or whatever it is. I think that there's something so beautifully open-minded about learning about something that is a unique perspective on something you thought was just normal. Right, like bookstores, they're just normal. Everybody knows about bookstores. And people drink beer, what's the big deal? But when you discover that there's more to it, you can appreciate it at a whole different level. And so even though I'm not a beer drinker, and I probably never really will be, but I do really appreciate your perspective on the industry because my mind was opened up and I feel like I can appreciate it and like it a lot more, even if I don't have to partake in it. So it's very cool to me that you did that. Oh, right on. No, I'm glad you say that. And it's the the analogy with the your the bookstores is is interesting to me as well because you know the the way you run your bookstore is is different than when I, uh, other people uh, run their bookstores here in town. Um, and I think like with with craft beer and with a brewery, for instance, uh, one of the questions is is always going to be how am I going to serve my community? 
uh, and that means you know you, you, how you can serve your customers is, is is of course the you know at the base of that. But it you, you takes it to that next level to say well what you know you think of those people as a community. What are their needs? What do they want? You know how can you do something different? How can you support them when they support you? And and you know that's something that uh, is clear to me with the way that you're doing it with with your bookstore as, as well. Like you you put a lot of thought, um, and and I'm sure your listeners know um, about. Um, how you do things uh, differently and even the way you support local authors is different with the consignment model and i do find that uh quite interesting but that's to me that seems to stem from that question how i serve my community and and giving that some some thoughts so i i think that's where difference arises and uh, that difference is important mm-hmm. i agree yeah thanks it's uh and it's an honor to support authors who have such a beautiful vision and the perseverance to take that vision to the next step. Um, I think it's, I think it's brilliant. I think everybody has a story to tell regardless of what it's about. And when you dare to say, I'm going to put my story out there and let people consider it, judge it, love it, whatever the case may be. um, But I'm going to put myself out there. That is a very bold, courageous act. And I think a lot of stores, that I have uh, experienced in the past often put local authors in with everybody else. And it's kind of a spine out experience where they're just sort of put on a shelf and they kind of get lumped in with everything else. But when those authors come from your own homegrown roots, that is a special thing. And I think that um, like, I know in, in our store, we're very proud of the authors that dare to do it on our turf. So I'm very excited for you and I'm very excited to continue to put tapping the West into the hands of people who can discover it for the first time. I'm grateful. (laughs) (laughs) I really am. No worries. Scott, thank you so much for spending time with me and for telling us all about your vision and your passion and your writing experience. I think it's, it's been awesome and I can't wait for people to hear this and go, I got to get my hands on that book they're talking about because I don't know about beer or maybe I love beer, but I got to know more. (laughs) It's been such a pleasure. I am very happy to say that out of all of the local author books that we have featured since our store opened in October, Scott's book, Tapping the West, has been one of the most popular books. So if you are curious about this book and you want to get your hands on it, or you know somebody who would love a book about the craft beer industry in Alberta, please, please go to our website and look for Tapping the West by Scott Messenger. Okay, friends, we have let it go. We have had a great conversation with Scott, and now I am releasing you to do something awesome. No matter how you serve the world, shine a light of humor, kindness, and compassion in everything you do. Be relevant. Be generous. Be unforgettable gettable. And may your reading life be extraordinary. Talk to you soon.